The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The 104th running here at the Talladega Super Speedway. Green flag goes in the air. Oh, Legato gets turned. Legato is upside down. He'll slam back into the racetrack on the roof of the car. The car is spinning wildly out of control. Now it flips back out onto all four wheels. Bubba Wallace also got a big piece of it because Joey Logano's car came down on the nose and on the hood. It looks like just plain old super speedway racing. Matt Benedetto trying to take the Wood Brothers to victory lane. Trouble in turn number four is Martin Truex Jr. Martin Truex Jr. went to pit road, came back out, had a tire rub, and the right rear tire carcass came apart, and that has put the caution flag. Overtime at Talladega, Matt Benedetto probably not wanting to hear that. It's on, and they're headed to one. Here comes the Benedetto. Brad Keselowski lines up behind him, gives him a shove back to the front of the field. Here comes Brad to the bottom. He's got drafting help. They're side by side to the back straightaway. Michael McDowell shoving Brad Keselowski on the bottom. And Brad Keselowski has picked up the win. It's uh, tough. Our day will come. Our day will come. I'm just lucky to drive this thing. Just kept thinking, man, just keep your car in one piece. It's nice to get number six. I would have never dreamed I'd have tied Jeff Gordon to Darren Hart Jr. here. That's uh, something, man. Those guys are really legends. Career win number 35 for Brad Kozlowski. First of the 2021 season. Welcome into NASCAR America Motor Mouse here on a Monday afternoon after a wild Talladega weekend. Marty Snyder, Steve Letarte, Jeff Burton joining you here on the show today. And joining us on the show today, Matt DiBenedetto, Jeff Burton, and Brad Darty. They'll all be here on Motor Mouse today. So crazy Talladega race. A lot to unpack from that race. <laughs> Jeff, I want to start with you. Just your overall thoughts on the on the weekend. Well, you know, it was it was crazy because it was Talladega, but I don't think it was Crazy, crazy. I thought it was a pretty calm race, really. I mean, we had right. a few incidences, obviously, but not, nothing uh, with, with, I think, with this package in the Cup Series, I think it was one of the calmest races, you know, where you get such a big ro- run, uh, lots of lots of pull-up to the guy in front of you, and I think the drivers have adjusted to it. I think the yeah. drivers, you know, went into this race with a little bit different mindset. They've adjusted to those runs, and because of that, I mean, listen, it's Saladega. They're never going to be calm but I think it was calmer than some Talladega races we've seen in the past. I didn't know what it was. Uh, there was exciting moments, and there were wrecks, but I still didn't see the big one. Yes, there was the spectacular one with Joey right. Logano going airborne down the backstretch. I mean, the video is captivating, but there wasn't the 10, 12, 15-car pileup. A lot of cars continued, to be quite honest. I mean, we had the 5 with an engine failure, the 22 on his lid, and a few cars on the DP, DVP, but there wasn't a lot of cars getting towed in and rolled back in. Even the wrecks, I mean, the front stretch in front of the field with Denny Hamlin, and still it was kind of like a few pinballs, and they all kept going. So, hmm. um, I don't know. I just had a different feel. Isn't that the, the case, though? Every Talladega race seems to have a different feel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here's the big one with uh, Joey Logano, obviously the one everybody's talking about this weekend. When you watched it, Steve, did you did you go, 
Man, that's unusual. What was your thought as you watched this go down live? I, I, I was shocked it got upside down that easy. I mean, you look at another one right here, just a simple turn to the outside wall. But you look at, like, say, the 24 or the 9. They go sideways. Both stay on the ground. Even the 9 was in the grass. No issue. That one with the 24 concerned me because there was a second contact. Um, it's just I hate to see cars fly. I don't have a better answer. I don't have the Magic 8 ball to fix it. Um, but I feel a lot better about everyone driving them when they're spinning on the asphalt, not when they're up in the air. The, the one that frightened me actually happened today, Jeff, when Joey Logano posted that picture yeah. from inside the race car. I mean, I'm telling you what, that's a scary sight when you look at what it looked like from Joey's perspective as he's trying to get out of the race car. Yeah, that left side roll, uh, roof boot bar, it was bent down a fair amount. I mean, it was, it was pretty far. You can see right here, I mean, this shot is from the outside. You can see the the roof where it's all scratched up and all that, but you can't really see the bar. And this next shot uh, is a shot from inside the car, and you can see how low that left side bar that protects his head right there. Mm. You can see that black piece. That's roll bar padding. Uh, and then above that is the piece where it attaches the roof to the, the uh, roll bar. That roll bar padding, Steve, that was, I would say, you know, way below the top oh. of his helmet. And, yeah. and so fortunately, it didn't tumble, right? It landed on its roof. It really did. It just landed right there on right, the left, right. left roof, and that's why it collapsed. Fortunately, it didn't continue to tumble. Uh, something NASCAR is going to have to look at. I mean, I, I, it's crazy. I mean, this, this, this car is essentially the center section is the car of tomorrow, right? And we mm -hmm. have been running this car for a long time. And it, you know, we, I don't know. We keep learning stuff. And, and the only way to fix it is really to put more bars in there, right? It's, it's, it's steel. It's round tubing. It, it's going to bend. You want it to bend. You don't want it so rigid it would break. Uh, but in order to, to, to make that stronger, you're going to have to put more support in there. The negative of that is now it's hard to get for the driver to get in and out of the car. It's harder for the driver to see. So this is a very difficult situation. I know NASCAR is going to work hard on it, and it won't surprise me to see some sort of change made. Yeah, change or at least some sort of acknowledgement of what could or could be done different. you got to understand these cars already have bars in them that they didn't have just a few years ago. Uh, I'm sure NASCAR is going to look as they do every single one because, you know, this issue, it was about driver clearance when the car got upside down, but thank goodness it's just that it didn't keep tumbling and Joey was able to get out. Uh, Joey said it the best in his tweet, which was uh, he said something like, He's going to use this opportunity to continue to move forward. And, and I'm going to quote mm -hmm. the guy sitting next to me. Jeff used to say this all the time. You know, you've never obtained safety. Yeah, right? safety You chase never it stops. and chase it and chase it and chase it and chase it. Um, I'm thankful it turned out the way it did for Joey. I'm confident that things that have happened over the last two or three decades help aided in that, right? This isn't the same car we've run for 30 years. And I'm confident smart people will look at it and changes may or may not be made, but it won't just be shoved aside and said, oh, well, next race. He was a little calmer in his tweet today. Yesterday after the race, he was not very happy and had some very uh, tough comments from NASCAR after the incident. Uh, I guess I don't know exactly what to think. You know, it's a product of this racing. And on one hand, I'm, I'm so proud to drive a cup car that is safe, that I can go through a crash like that and get out and speak about it. And one hand, I'm mad about being in the crash. The other hand, I'm just happy I'm alive. On the other hand, I think, when are we going to stop? Because this is dangerous, doing what we're doing. I got a roll bar in my head. You know what I mean? That's not, that's not okay. I'm one hit away from the same situation right now. 
Chavez did his big spoiler and his big runs, the pushing and all that. It's no one's fault, right? I mean, Denny's trying to go and, and 47's trying to go. It's a product of this, of this racing. We have to fix it, though, because someone, someone already got hurt and we're still doing it. So that's not real smart. So. so, Steve, here's my question. There are, you know, this is the last year of this car. There's yeah. two super speedway races left. So could, could NASCAR be in a position where they can make dramatic changes to a car before Daytona? Well, I, I don't think, I don't know if they need to make dramatic or not. If NASCAR feels there is improvement to be made, they will make it just because there's two more races. There's no way you can go to Daytona and say, hey, we think we can make it better, but we only have two more races. That's never what NASCAR has done. Sure. Um, even after the Newman wreck, they instantly made some changes in, in throughout the field. So the point is, I don't know without personally looking at the car, without looking at the data, you know, what you can do. Because it's easy to say, well, just put a bar in there. Well, vision, driver clearance, there's a lot of issues there. You look at that one, it kind of lands, Jeff, on the banking, as silly yeah. as that sounds, which is an odd angle. Um, they look, it's complicated. It's going to be a complicated conversation because it should be. This right here is what I was thankful for. I mean, That's this is on board with Bubba Wallace. And, you know, for, to start, Jeff, I was like, man, I don't even think he hit it. And then from the outside, I saw there was damage to the roof. You talk about, oof. I mean, that's a scary look right there. Yeah, I had a similar situation. Uh, Scott Riggs, I think, pretty much landed on my car at Talladega one time, and it was that was pretty quickly. And that looks like out of <laughs> we were talking earlier. That was like a, a scene out of Twister. Yeah, yeah right. You know right. what I mean? And, and I, I um, and on the safety side of things, you know, NASCAR is going to be proactive and look at this. And I, I, I listen. I think Joey, what Joey Logano said was perfectly right. I, I, I yeah. got no issue with Joey Logano getting out of the race car. He's the one sitting in there, sure, right? And I and he has every right to say that. And and that structure that's around you that has to that has to hold up. So listen, it, there was a time that we would be sitting here today, and I would be on my high horse advocating for NASCAR. NASCAR's got to do something. NASCAR's got to do something. The team's got to do something. Everybody's got to get in this do it together. I don't have to do that now. Like I don't I don't have to do that. I don't have to be that voice. Nobody has to be that voice. NASCAR is going to run with it. They are not. They, they're, so, they're so much proactive now. They're going to do everything they can. It won't be swept under the rug. There'll be an effort to make it better. And honestly, we don't know what that is. And for us to solve it today would be stupid. Like, there's yeah. so much information that they've got to gather to fix it right. It, you don't fix it overnight. If you fix it overnight, it would never happen, right? right. So let, give them some time to learn from it. Give them some time to analyze it. And they'll come up with with some sort of idea of whether they can fix this or not. Well, the one thing that struck me about those comments is, is that Joey's not a, a guy who would normally, you know, he's really right. Mr. The Positive Guy. Right. He's always going to spin things in a positive way. He's not going to be one who normally will complain about something like that. And for him to be so verbal immediately after getting out of the car, that's one. That's what kind of made me go, whoa. Yeah, yeah, but I thought he was very tasteful. Yeah, um, sure. You know, it was an educated, thoughtful, reactionary comment to a guy that just got in an accident. And, and as Jeff said, um, I don't think anything he said there struck me as insincere or too far. And he has every right to do it. He was the guy that just flew down the backstretch. If anybody <laughs> can speak to it, it should be that guy. I mean, I mean, to be honest, uh, yeah, sure. who am I to sit up here as an analyst and give my opinion? He just did it. So, And he is also, what I like about him is he is, in a, like, he is a leader. Let him be outspoken. He's politely outspoken because I'm confident Joey's also the same guy that'll pick up the phone with whoever calls from NASCAR. He's not going to just make a comment and disappear. He'll go meet with them. He'll talk with them, and, and, and we'll see. Of course, we want to hear from you guys today. 844-NASCAR-NBC. NASCARL is on the poll, as he always is. NASCARL, how you doing this afternoon? He's here today. He's called in. So, NASCARL, what's going on, man?
I don't have them. I can't hear Nass Carl. No. I can sort of hear I'm him, here. but I can't completely hear him. Yeah, there, there you are. Go ahead, Nass Carl. Hey, what's up, guys? Um, How are you? Good, good. Um, my question, um, they talked a little bit about the Kyle Larson incident. What is it that they was talking about that was possibly left in the car that oh. is just something that you're supposed to take out that could that cools the engine or something? And they said that that could have been <laughs> left in there. And whose responsibility is that to get that? Look at the nightmare. Man, you're Steve having a You're making oh, <laughs> that gave me heartache. Hey, before, but before you give the answer, this is I, I, listen. This is what it is. This is inexcusable. Totally. This is a professional race team. That's an inex- that is a mistake that you cannot make. Mm-hmm. That is a mistake that's inexcusable. I mean, I'm sorry. That is just, I mean, it's clear. I mean, that is something that got done at the shop and it never got taken back out. That is something. So that, explain the fans. So, so it's one of two things. It's one of two things. Um, the first it could be is because radiators are very easy to damage, you put protective shields on the front or the back of them so you don't bang into them in the shop. Um, it could have been in front of the radiator when it got put down in the mm-hmm. car. I somehow doubt that. I think that probably would have got caught. What I think it could have been is there's an oil cooler that gets bolted to the radiator. Well, there could have been a sheet of metal between them for the same idea. That would have been impossible to see. The person who assembled this unit left that in there, or they left it on the front of the radiator and put the radiator in the car. Either way, you know, when you warm up the car, no air goes through the radiator, so you have no idea until the car goes on the racetrack. But I'm with Jeff. Um, we could talk about it being human error, and we could talk about how it can happen. It does happen. I have seen it happen. None of that makes it better, and none mm-hmm. of that makes it okay. This is, uh, this is an egregious error by someone. It is just an error. It's human error, but so wasn't sports. And I'm not going to yeah. protect something that's human error. It's an egregious human error that eliminated a car from the race in turn two on the first lap. It happens. Last year, Denny Hamlin, they left a setup block in there for the first run <laughs> in Martinsville. Remember that? Yeah. So it happens. Hey, hey, it does. And so... so with no practice, yeah, yeah, that these are the things that happen. You have to be more prepared than ever. I mean, we used to think you had to be super prepared for, for, for practice because if you unrolled and you lost track time, that was an extremely bad thing. Now it, it ends your race day. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and look, and I don't want to hear this whole practice excuse. No, 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 no. no, no. It's not practice's fault. No, 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 no. It's no. the team's fault. <laughs> it, that's right. Everyone that's has right. the same opportunity. Yeah, so. that's right. But it would have gotten caught with practice. Yeah, it would have yeah. gotten caught. Well, they would have done is, half a lap. You have to wrong. be that much better because there is yeah. not a second chance. It's, a, it's a one chance. Let's go back to the phones. And Ed, Ed, how you doing this afternoon? Good. How are you? Good. What's going on? Uh, my question is for Steve. With these uh, stage races now and with all the stuff going on on the restrictor play track, how would you have called that race yesterday? Uh, well, I think it's a great question. If we have a car that has either won a race or a car that can win the race, we're aggressive all day long. I think both Jeff Gordon and Dale Jr. taught me it's not about stage points and it's not even about protecting your equipment, that they feel like every Speedway race has its own flow. You talk about how they're learning. And they will tell me that if you think I'm going to get up there and just pick right on the final restart and make the right move, then you're giving me a lot more credit than they want. They said, we have to make this, you know, give this a try. I think the each stage finish with the blocking and the big shoves, that is the best dress rehearsal for the finish of the race. Now, if you ended up wrecked, you say, well, this is an awful idea. But if you were involved in any of this earlier in the race, you are smarter, Jeff. You're gaining information. I mean, as a driver, I know you love saving your equipment, but do you feel the guys that ran up front had a better idea what they needed at the end? 100%. I I think, you know, I, I did both. I rode in the back and I ran in the front. I did both, and I had... Only one one race, so either way wasn't very good for me. <laughs> but, but, 
Yes, you have to have that experience. You have to know what your car can and what it can't do. And the other thing is the people around you, when you exhibit to them that your car is fast, mm -hmm. they go with you. Listen, Dale Earnhardt won, what, what is it, 11 races at Talladega? 10, I think. 10, yeah. 10. He won 10 races at Talladega. He was the best driver at Talladega. He normally had the best car at Talladega, and all us dummies pushed him. Right, <laughs> right. Because he showed us. He showed us he had the best car, and we right. made him better because we've got to go with him, right? right? So if you have a fast car, you need to exhibit that. You need to show it to the competitors because now they know it, and they're going to use you to help them. Uh, yes, it, you, I just don't know that in today's world, I, don't, I think there's only one way to win these races anymore. I think it's, it's attack and attack from lap one. And, it, and it's no coincidence, the guys who normally wind up up front in these races, Joey Logano, Denny Hamlin, yeah. that group, they wind up winning these well, races listen, as well. That strategy is not right for everyone. There are teams that are going there to have a, quote, good day, right? This is an opportunity for a good day. Mm -hmm. And their best strategy might be to let me lead the fenders and the sides on this thing until we get into the third stage and then race. I'm okay with that. What I love, though, is just a team that's willing to come up with a strategy and stick to it. And I did see a lot of that. Like, there were guys that were definitely going to run up front and guys that weren't. Although, no manufacturer lines. The most blurred lines up and down pit road I've ever seen. I know, which has been weird because it was so lockstep for so long, and now all of a sudden it's like nobody, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand why everybody just now is everybody on, on, is on their own. I want to celebrate it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, 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 listen, I'm all up for teammates, and I'm all up for alliances, and all, I'm all up for it. But as a, as a fan... And by the way, I'm a fan. When I was competing, I was a fan. I love this sport. I like to see them just out there going against each other. Right. Like I, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm good with it. I know those meetings still happened. Of course. But it was clear that it was not a mandate that you've got to stick with this and you've got to do this. Zoom. It must be lost in Zoom translation. <laughs> lost in Zoom, <laughs> Zoom world. It's gone in Zoom world. I love it. We use that excuse all the time. They yeah, right. well. I don't know. I was on Zoom. I didn't, I didn't get what you were telling me. All about. of this talk, and we haven't mentioned Matty D, and we haven't mentioned Brad Kozlowski, who actually won the race by only leading one lap, but he led the most important one. So, thinking of Matty D, when we come back here on Motor Mouse, Matt DiBenedetto joins us on the show. We'll talk about the big race at Talladega and the almost win for Matty D. There he is. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome back to NASCAR America Motor Mouse. You know, for a while at Talladega, it looked like Matt DiBenedetto would be the guy in victory lane. His uh, corporate teammate, Brad Kozlowski for Team Penske, is the guy who wound up there. So we welcome in Matty D here on Motor Mouse with us. How you doing, Matt? And how many times have you relived those final few laps since yesterday? Uh, you know, I still haven't really watched it because it's a little bit too painful. I mean, it's a lot out of your control. I get it. It's Talladega. 
But man, that stuff is hard to watch. My wife even woke up this morning and she was like, I'm mad. And I was like, what's wrong? And she's like, you didn't win yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) I I assume you told her you agree. You were mad too, right? (laughs) Yes. I was like, well, uh, clearly we're on the same page. So, so, so I know you say you haven't watched it back, but from sitting in the car and, uh, you know, if you had to do it over, would you do anything different or do you feel like you did the right thing and the outcome was going to be the outcome? Yeah, it's hard. I mean, you know how these things are, Jeff, after every one of them, you can critique everything you do. And I wish I could go back and would have done this. I mean, every person in the field would say the same thing, except for the winner. So every person would be like, I would have changed this. I would have done this. So you can't really beat yourself up too much. So the 12 had a really big run and I jumped up there to take that momentum. Um, and then it was really what happened behind him is what, what hurt us when it all got separated and then drug him and I both back. So, you know, you could look at it and it could have very well changed to where uh, he had the momentum and then pushed us and we get out to the lead. So it's, it was that move right there by the eight car that ultimately um, cost us a shot to win. No offense to him. He owned it as well. It's just, uh, just a tough deal. Yeah, it's always so tough to relive. As you point, anything can happen. I want to talk about the whole race. You know, a lot of conversation about should you ride, should you race, are the stage points worth it? Well, you were up there battling all day long and put yourself in a position to win the race. So talk about your your kind of mindset heading into these plates tracks. Is it by strategy that you're just going to try to run up front for every lap? I think, you know, the more I do it, yeah, I've I've crashed running first, second, and <laughs> the middle of the pack, and the back of the pack. <laughs> so there's really no you know clear cut decision or strategy that works. There's no foolproof method. But what I have done and did yesterday was I had my times where we were running up front, racing up front, and then we obviously won the stage, which is great. But then you fast forward to stage two. We're running up there, but we got to a spot where we were kind of at a roadblock, and I felt like we were in the middle of the mess. It was getting really racy coming down the end of the stage, and I didn't feel like we were in a great position to get many, if if at all, stage points. So I, at that point, uh, made the decision to bail at the end of stage two, and it was uh, right before the crash happened. So there's just... I played the race basically purely off of a gut feel between uh, myself and spotter Doug Campbell and it all, you know, you got to have some luck on your side. You got to race smart, make the right decisions. uh, And then, you know, ultimately you got to have a little luck on your side at the same time. All right, Matty D. So I'm going to do you a favor. I'm going to move it forward. I want to talk about Kansas, (laughs) right? I know we all want to relive. We always do that. We want to relive every lap of the race we just ran, but, uh, you know, my rule was Monday at noon, time to move forward. Yep. So talk to us about uh, the rest of the year, the rest of the regular season. Obviously, you want to make the playoffs. You want to get that done. What right now, where does your team stand? Where are your strengths? Where are your weaknesses? Yeah, I feel really good about it because, uh, I mean, heck, you look at the last handful of races and how many, how much we've recovered in points because we had a heck of a hole. We were, we were buried to start the year. We had a horrible start to the season, just bad circumstances. So I feel great about our recovery. And, we, uh, you know, I'd say I feel really good going into Kansas. Our mile and a half are probably one of the strongest points in our program. You know, we have a great short track program. The mile and a half are awesome. We've a lot of those last year. So I feel great going into uh, Kansas. I think our only weakest point of our program that I'm excited to work on and to have some practice at is Dakota which are the uh, road courses. I think that's where we're lacking 
just a little bit so we can continue to work on those. But man, our team's super strong, and uh, I think we'll be in a good spot for the the playoffs if we keep keep that consistency and running up front like we know we can do and we've shown that we can do lately. So Matt, we have Nikolai on the phone who wants to ask ask you a question. Go ahead, Nikolai. Hey, how are you guys doing? We're good. What's your question for Matt? So my question for Matt is uh, just looking forward for the rest of this year. You've been strong in your career at some of the road courses in the short track. So are those kind of the tracks you have circled on your calendar for the rest of the year to look for an opportunity to win at? That's a good question, man. I'd say uh, typically I would have told you that in years past, but every program has its strengths and weaknesses. And uh, when I was driving for the 95 team, I think short tracks and especially road courses were by far our strongest point. And I love the road courses. I think with the 21 team, you know, driving these Fords, they have great steam under the hood. Our cars drive really good. Our Alliance team Penske, we have great cars on the mile and a half. So I actually think uh, the mile and a half are a great strength for us and the short tracks are great strengths for us. So we, we really don't have a lot of weaknesses in our program, except for maybe uh, lacking on the road courses still. We're still fine-tuning on those to get a little bit better. So everything else, though, on the schedule, I feel uh, really good about as far as a shot to win. I'd say the road courses are where we need the most most help and improvement. So, Matt, last year you pointed your way into the playoffs. Right now you're just barely out, 12 points out of the below the cut line right now. So kind of, you know, give us a, an inside look at what bubble life is like for a driver in August and September, if that's kind of where you're going to be again this year. It's way too freaking stressful. That's what that life's about. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I don't want to do, again, what we had to do last year. That was too much. Going into Daytona and having to race William Byron and Jimmy Johnson for the playoff spot, and it was shuffling around. I mean, we couldn't have scripted it any crazier than it was, so – it's really stressful, but the good thing is, is I don't know. I don't even know the exact number, but we were 30-something in points just a handful of weeks ago, and we've already come all the way up to 17th and right close to that mm-hmm. cut line. So it just shows the strength that we do have in our program with some consistency. So, so obviously the Wood Brothers let you know very early that, that you were not going to be back in, in 2022. How has that early notice helped you? And have you already started talking to other teams because you know your status for next year? Yeah, it's actually it's actually a good thing in in the sense of just knowing, you know, the, the fact of knowing, even if it's the unknown, but knowing that you I don't have anything lined up for next year and having a whole year to know that and instead of the wait and find out game is actually a lot easier because then you do have the time to to go out and start searching other opportunities, see what happens. But um, I still am also under contract with with Team Penske, you know, because we have an alliance with Team Penske. So they would uh i wouldn't expect anything to to change there but um you know that deadline i believe is september 1st where Mm -hmm. they would have to let me know from their end if they have anything for me and you know since i'm still a part of their camp and the wood brothers camp how, how it all works out with our alliance with them so we'll um so to answer your question probably won't know more until you know that august range of of what next year is is looking like and then you know where i can start searching for other opportunities and obviously having the 21 car and this equipment underneath helps a lot to go let the results do the, the speaking for us 
So, Matt, I'm going to get your opinion on this because I've had two or three drivers and a couple of crew chiefs, people that are in the job market over the last 18 months. Something I wasn't expecting from COVID is they said it's been very difficult not being in the garage Friday, Saturday, mm-hmm. Sunday. Owners aren't walking around, director of competitions, other crew chiefs, other drivers. They just said FaceTime in general is much more difficult to get. So from a race car driver, I mean, I guess that's my question. Is it? Has it been more difficult uh, for you to, A, fix your whatever camera, just try to fall yeah, off? Yeah, I was going to say the, the camera. Uh, just lost and, his and, camera uh, but he's back. And two, you know, what about that, the COVID and the lack of time in the garage area? Oh, he's back. He looks good. So, Matty, good, just some advice. If you're going to do those interviews, make sure you fix your camera first. <laughs> yeah. So, I uh, have it propped up here. This was a little bit of a last-second ordeal. Um, but like when it. somebody texts me, the, vib- uh, the vibrate on my phone makes it go haywire and fall. Ah. So anyways, I apologize <laughs> in advance if that happens. But, yeah, that's actually something um, that, that is a little bit different. I've now just recently seen a couple uh, people, owners, uh, some more folks coming around the garage a little bit. So that's nice. But, man, it, it is difficult because that is a lot of your networking process is just seeing people and talking. So I do uh, – Look forward to getting some more of those guys in the garage because uh, when that time does come for me where I kind of get an answer and figure out my situation for next year, you know, you want to be having those those face-to-face talks because it's important. Matt, I'll wrap up by saying one of the four of us just came from the gym to do the show, and it's not the three of us. So good on you for, you know, getting the, getting the workout in and then coming and doing the show. We appreciate that, man. Yeah, man, of course, anything. You guys made me uh, feel better about so, oh, there, look, camera went haywire. There goes the camera. Oh, there there goes the camera. Josh. But anyways, I appreciate you guys having me on, man. Uh, sorry for the technical difficulties on my end. Oh, you're good. Made it entertaining, man. Made Absolutely. it entertaining. Love there it. you go. Love we it. appreciate right, it. So make that check for Matty D. He's got to get the vibrating thing on his phone fixed. So that, that's so. fascinating to me, though. Um, yeah. The job searching part? Yeah, the job search. Because I hear what he's saying, and I understand yeah. that it's probably better that not only he knows, but everyone knows. It's very public. So sure. anyone looking, but... It's just still, while there has to be a part of him that loves the fact that he knows and he can move forward with it, it's also got to be kind of looming knowing that it's it's coming. I mean, it's natural instinct that you you want to know what your next deal is. Yeah, that, the, the garage area has, and he used the word network, and that's exactly what it is. The mm-hmm. garage area, you know, it, it has a way of if somebody wants to talk to you, but they don't want other people to know they're talking to you, there's a way that person can get to you. <laughs> like, it's, right. and, and that all happens a lot, the most productive time in the garage are un, unmanaged, uh, unscripted. It just happens because you know you know somebody, you end up talking, and you and I talk about it all the time in, in our job covering the races. We love just going in the garage, and you end up in conversations. You had no idea you were going to yeah. be in. Well, if you're in the job market, you need to be in those conversations. And it's amazing, too, team members. A lot of times, well, you know, I can I can tell you multiple times where drivers got jobs, and it started with the team member saying, "Hey, you know what, man? Like, we'd love to have you over here." And the team member, he's not going to hire you, right? But you end up networking and figuring out, okay, well, who do I need to talk to? I know of multiple opportunities that have been created like that. It's pretty interesting. And the other interesting news nugget was the fact that you know, yes, the Wood Brothers have said you're not going to be back in the car, but his contract with Team Penske, and they have until September first according to him, to, to say yay or nay. I learned a long time ago, I'm going to let Nate Ryan and Dustin Long get into that tangled web <laughs> of contracts idea. and who owns Great what. Idea. Every time they ask me, Stevie, what do you know? Nothing. I just yep. talk about the racing. You guys can handle the contracts. Too that's complicated. A, that's a terrific idea. Hey, one guy who certainly did himself some good this past weekend, Jeb Burton. I know his uncle. He's here hanging out with us. Jeb Burton won, winning at Talladega in the Xfinity Series, and he'll join us next here on Motor Mouse. 
eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Saturday morning, NASCAR was kind of worried they wouldn't be able to get the Xfinity Series race in, but by the time the green flag flew, it was beautiful skies. There's Jeb Burton, big push from Myatt Snyder, pushing him out in the front there, and uh, then Jeb blocked all three lanes, and then on the back stretch, a big wreck happens. And then the caution flies. And Jeb Burton winds up winning at Talladega. Well, you mentioned it was weather shortened and we didn't know when the weather was going to come. Jeff, I think that's the hardest, right? When you're racing, and as you mentioned, the caution slowed them down. Then the raid brought them to pit road. Then it was called, and Jeb Burton went to victory lane. Much deserving. He ran up see. front the whole day. The more you lead them, the better chance you have to win. Yeah. That's, right. <laughs> that's a pretty basic statement, isn't it, Jeff? But that's a very true Stay statement. Stay out front as much as you uh-huh. can. But, let, me, uh, let me write that down. The more you yeah. lead, the better chance you yeah. have to win. Okay. Uh, so joining us now, that man's nephew, Jeb Burton, winner at Talladega. Congratulations, man. I got to know what you did to celebrate, Jeb. What would you do? I stayed up a little too late with some of my buddies. They were waiting on me when I got home, so uh, I didn't feel the best yesterday. But, uh, yeah, it was a, a dream come true. We had a fast race car, and um, it was really, uh really special day. I got to let your uncle ask you a question. I mean, you're sitting there watching. You're watching your son Harrison, but your nephew's out front. You're like, ah. What do I do? Well, I got to after the race. I got to celebrate with his wife. We were all in the, we were all watching together. So that was <laughs> that was awesome. fun to see. But That's cool. you know, Jeb, you you have you have put yourself in position multiple times at Daytona and Talladega to win these races, and I, I feel like you there was three or four others that you could have won, mm-hmm. and they kind of got away from you. What makes you such a good racer at Talladega and Daytona? I, I don't know. Uh, I feel like uh, <laughs> every time we go, I'm I'm in position to win, like you said, and. Um, you know, Brett Griffin really helped me this weekend, and I think he's been something I've been missing to control the lanes when I do get out front. But uh, I'm not really sure about that. I think um, I just enjoy going to those places, and I just look at it as an opportunity to go win, and it's been paying off, and we had a little bit of luck on our side this week. So, Jeb, um, first of all, congratulations. Well-deserved, well-earned. I'll be honest, I could have watched the in-car from the minute they red-flagged it until you were announced the winner over and over and over again because, (laughs) you know, when we see first-time winners who are able to cross the start finish line, there's this moment, right, and they kind of get to cheer. For you, it was almost like I watched it build, and then slowly we saw the emotion set in on what you had accomplished. It is not a small accomplishment to win at this level in NASCAR, so congratulations. But talk about just those times going back out by yourself to do the burnout, just those moments after the race, when did it finally set in that, man, it was yours? You were the winner, checkered flag in hand. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, it, it, uh, it definitely was a little different. Normally, like you said, after you win, you you get to have that cool-down lap 
to yourself. And, and this time I was getting told in, in my side, uh, window net that I won. So I just, I wanted to pull off and have my moment. And, uh, I went out there and was doing the donuts. And, um, when I was about to come down pit road, it, it kind of hit me then just, uh, how big of a deal it was. We've worked so hard to, to get this opportunity and be highly racing with Nutrinac solutions and, and all my partners that, have came along with me just a dream come true and um just trying to make everybody proud and uh, take advantage of this opportunity i think you had a lot of drivers in, in both garage areas maybe all three garage areas jealous because you got to do burnouts in the rain what was that like i mean were you ever worried at one point i might lose control of this thing i, I gotta be careful here well um i was doing pretty good and then uh going down the front straightaway i about put it in a fence and i realized i need to just watch what i'm doing here on this wet, wet <laughs> road track. but uh but yeah that was pretty fun all right jed so you're in the playoffs you got that win notched how do you approach the rest of the year before the playoffs start well jeff i feel like uh we've done a pretty good job so far this year we've had some decent speed i need to be a little bit better um at some of these places i haven't went to a lot like darlington i haven't been there in five years and we don't get any practice so i just need to try to do a better job the first stage of the race so we don't get so far behind but uh my guys are doing an unbelievable job our pit crew is is on it every week and um just just having a ball man i think now we're on attack mode and we're getting better every week and hopefully we can get some more wins to build those playoff points Jeb, we have a caller on the line for you. I believe it's Tamara. Tamara, you're on the line with uh, Jeb Burton. Go ahead. Chandler, my bad. Chandler. Well, my answer's not. I mean, Marty? <laughs> oh. Oh. How are you, man? You're <laughs> on the line with um, Jeb Burton. All right. So, so hello, Jeb. First off, I'm just I'm so happy for you to get your first win. Um, the question I want to ask you is that um, – I really thought Ma Marty was going to ask you this, but um, how does it feel to carry on the burden legacy? Like your dad, even though he hasn't won that many races, but he has won one important race, and that was the 2002 Daytona 500. And your uncle has had a lot of success, and even your nephew even had a lot of success. But my, what I'm wondering is, what is – your thoughts on carrying on your family's legacy? Yeah, good question. You know, I I, um, I made a comment today on my XM interview. It's pretty special that Harrison, myself, my uncle, and my dad have all won in the Xfinity Series. So now me and Harrison have got to step it up and win in the Cup Series. That'd be pretty cool, too. But um, just just means a lot to carry on the winning tradition. I think we lost Jeb. Look yeah, at that young man. Oh, we got you back. We got you now, Jeb. Yeah, we got you, Jeb. Go ahead, bud. Yeah, it uh, it just means a lot to carry on the family tradition. Um, you know, Harrison's won Xfinity. I've won Xfinity. Jeff obviously has won. My dad's won, and uh, just just pretty cool. We can carry on the the legacy that Jeff and my dad created. Yeah, Chandler's a smart guy because that actually was my next question. Because with your win. You're now the fourth winner in the family, and that, that makes the Burton family pass people like the Petties and the Wallaces. That's, that's pretty big for Jeff, you, and for, and for Jeb. Yeah, I mean, listen, that's pretty special. I mean, the people that I looked up to in the sport so much, you know, the, 
Petties, the Allisons, the mm-hmm. well, I mean, it's like people I looked up to the sport a great deal. So it's it's an honor to say that. And you know, Ward and I did what we did, and now you know our sons are doing it. And I think both of them are capable of going far in this sport. And it's it's cool to watch them do it. And it and it's uh, what's cool is how hard they work. You know, I know how hard Jeb works. I know how hard Harrison works. That's what you know. I have a lot of respect because they they really work hard. Yeah, and I know it's on, it's an honor for you to carry that on as well, Jeb. Hey, I want to ask you one thing about the road courses left this year. Five of them left in the regular season, so now you're in the playoffs. You can breathe a little bit easier, but I know that was a really big focus for you in the offseason. How do you feel with, you know, one under your belt already and now going to a number of them left in the regular season? Well, I'm actually um, doing some testing in Trans Ams uh, with John and Debbie Cloud. They let me run their car, and um, – that's helped me a lot. And a lot of these road courses I've never seen, uh, road America, mid Ohio, I've never raced there. So just trying to be the best I can be when we get there. So we can try to get a good finish for our team. All right. Well, listen, I know Jeff's rule is noon on Monday. You have to move forward to the next week, but that's only the bad weeks, Jeff, the good weeks, drag it out the Wednesday or Thursday. Enjoy it, man. You've earned it. Um, I know the ups and downs. I know the fight you've put in to put yourself in this position to win a race. Uh, you've earned this one, as Jeff said, you a lot has, has kind of gotten away that I thought you could have won. And I'm, I think once the door is open now, you're going to fill that trophy case, man. So congratulations and, and have fun this weekend. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate all the support and thanks for having me on here. Great to have you on, Jeb. Always fun to hang out. So Jeb Burton, the big winner from the Xfinity Series uh, at Talladega on Saturday. The other race at Talladega on Saturday was the ARCA race. And boy, there was a scary incident in that race. Derek Lancaster, the driver, was injured in this wreck, and then the fire afterward is is really what uh, got him in trouble. That's scary looking, isn't it, Steve? Yeah, we've seen this before, kind of, you know, uh, issue with the right front. There's a lot of things up there. I'm not sure. Obviously, it looks like either fuel or oil, but something caught on fire for sure. Yeah, his wife, Beth, released this statement today. You can see he remains in the hospital, critical but stable, and is on a ventilator. They want to check his lung capacity so he's going to be on there for another two to four days and uh, continuing to ask for prayers there and certainly have those from us, Beth, and wishing the best for Derek Lancaster. That's the update on him. When we come back, our buddy Brad Darty will join us here on Motor Mouse. Always fun to hang out with Brad D. He'll be next here with us on NASCAR America. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. As we do our best to showcase all the motorsports that NBC has to offer. So today's motorsports junction happened last Thursday. Graham Rahal took his IndyCar over to Gravedigger headquarters uh, because obviously IndyCar was in St. Pete. Their headquarters is in Palmetto, Florida. I think the chassis are just slightly different, Steve. Chassis are a little different. Look at <laughs> some of those guys out. at St. Pete. They could have used the Gravedigger setup. They needed the ground clearance <laughs> for some of the, the curbing. But, uh, oh, Lord. That's pretty good. Uh, Monster Jam tomorrow, 1030 Eastern on uh, NBCSN. Uh, meanwhile, just down the street, IndyCar, Colton heard a dominant, led all but three laps. 
in this race. And he had back-to-back -back restarts at the very end with Joseph Newgarden right behind him, one of the best in the business, and just was so impressive. And I talked to Brian Herter before the last restart. I love what he told me, Steve. He was cold. I said, who's more nervous right now, you or him? He said, neither of us. Oh, man. <laughs> I like the confidence. But listen, you, you talk about dominating those late restarts. And, you know, there's a lot of places at St. Pete where you can lose a race. So yeah. he did a nice job not, you know, misstepping. Uh, definitely a technical course for sure. And a little bit of chatter now about yeah. Colton Hurdle possibly going to F1. Right. American driver in F1. I, and I asked him about that last year. He said, you know, I would go if, if it was a ride where I could finish top five or finish on the podium. But if I'm going to go and just run and finish 10th, I have no interest in so, going. So you would rather go win races uh, than okay, do that. Okay, but, but can I just be like a really geeked out American motorsport fan? Sure. I would love to have an American driver in F1 that can run for podiums. I would it would change my early, early Sunday mornings throughout the – I love – Auto racing around the world. And I love Formula One. The cars are spectacular. To your point, I don't need a guy in the race. Mm -hmm. But if, if, if Colton could get a ride that could legitimately give him a shot at some podiums, that would geek me out. Well, I, I would just love to see, because they're so talented, I'd like to prove that these American race car drivers can go do it. And he's so young. I mean, 21. He could, I mean, he could... I mean, I forgot more stuff. I mean, that kid, that kid is unbelievable. And here's the other thing. They sent him over to live in Europe with a, another family when he was 14. So he raced over there for a number of years from like 14 to 17, in essence, before he came back to run Indy Lights in the U.S. Well, here, let's call Mercedes and Ferrari and start. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we let Mario Andretti make that phone call? I saw Mario on, yeah. on social media talking about He's it. He's all about it. All about. I think he probably would like to keep him in the Andretti Autosport camp if he can. So... Uh, maybe we can have Brad Darty make the phone call to see if he can get Colton Herta an F1 ride. Our buddy Brad Darty from NBC Sports joins us right now. Brad D, what's up? How are you, bud? Hey, how, how you guys doing? <laughs> we're good. <laughs> Always hey, love your energy. What's happening, man? What were your thoughts on Talladega? IndyCar. No, no, no. Let's talk IndyCar. Okay, let's do IndyCar. it. Oh, my goodness, man. Those guys at St. Pete, I'm telling you, listen, I think I'm kind of a race car driver, but I'm really not. I was trying my best when those guys were qualifying to remember all of the marks and all the corners. I don't know how you don't wreck. Those guys are crazy, man. They're charging <laughs> those corners wide up. I, I watched Barber last week, and I thought they were nuts. I mean, mm -hmm. those guys were out of control qualifying those cars. St. Pete, oh, my goodness. I, I don't know how you make a lap. It was, it was fascinating to watch. Phenomenal. Well, no. Brad, you should have seen you should have seen Colton hurt his hands after the race. He he literally had blisters all blister. over them, and they were bloody. Yeah. It was crazy. And and tell him stick with Andy Car. You don't want to jump in that F one. You got to mess with Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> it's like me back in the day when I played when we had to play against the Bulls. We can't who you know we kept thinking we were going to win at some point. It didn't happen. Tell him to stay where he's at. I should have stayed where I was at too. All right, so that's my question, Brad. So so not only are you analysts with us, but you're an owner. When you put your owner's cap on now, not race fan, but owner's cap, how wide do you look for the next talented guy to get behind the wheel of JTG? Do you look at IndyCar, look at international drivers? Like, what, you know, what's the berth? How wide are you willing to go? That's a great question. Yeah, I, I think you look for, obviously, you're looking for really, really young guys. We all know that. Uh, but, yeah, you look at IndyCar. You look at guys who have just tremendous car control. You look at guys who drive. You know, those 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 big sprint cars, those big motors, those 360 sprint. You look at those guys that can handle the pressure of that car moving around because when you get to our race cars, they don't move. 
and you've got to have a lot of talent and a lot of ability to get all that thing and get it through the corner. So, yeah, you'll look, uh, but a lot of the guys who are excellent and in those disciplines, that open-wheel discipline, they don't venture over our way very much because it's, it's, it's difficult. It's really difficult, as you know. Uh, but I do, yeah, you look at these young kids, uh, even these kids coming up and getting out of go-karts and getting into late models, super late models, you want to see how hard they can drive off that right rear tire and control that race car, and you start watching, and hopefully nobody snaps them up too quickly. You told me I was a candidate. Then you said they had to be young. You can't be both. <laughs> you always a candidate. Man, Burton could wheel that thing, man. Absolutely. He had to race with my boy Robert Presley. Anybody that could race with Robert Presley and survive is a hero. I'm telling you. All right. You're, always talking, about, you're always talking about drivers. And so who stood out to you? And, and listen, can't say Brad Keselowski. Can't say the winner. Right. Who stood out to you at Talladega? It... it, it. It's it's Maddie D, and it's not for a good reason, man. I I thought he was going to win that race. I thought when he got lined up on the top with all those other Fords, it was going to be his day, and I, he just made a mistake at the end that cost me. That stood out to me because I was pulling for him. I love him to death. You want to see him be successful, have a chance to get a wood a win for the Wood Brothers. I thought this was going to be the day. He got a little bit too big of a run right there. And, and as these guys were coming to him, I thought those Fords were really going to help him get lined up on the top and push him. But it really, it just, you know, he made a little mistake and the, the whole line just disintegrated. So, you know, that was tough. The guy for me, though, other than Matty D, would be Michael McDowell. I mean, my goodness, man. Put himself in a great position, obviously. Uh, didn't, didn't leave that bumper, kept pushing, was smart, didn't get out of line, didn't try to go win the race for himself and ended up getting himself a great finish. So Michael McDowell, two, two excellent uh, speedway races, and my, and my buddy Matty D had a tough day. And uh, pulling for hopefully we can get something going at Kansas for Matty D. He deserves a win, and I think one's coming soon. Well, we talked about the nerves and the chaos. Um, it can't be good to be an owner and watch Talladega. Oh. We just saw that run right there. <laughs> I noticed third car back on the top was a 37 there, kind of moving left and right, yeah. trying to find some space. Uh, how are the nerves for an over, uh, for an owner in NASCAR overtime? Look, man, this is how it is, Steve. This stuff is awful. So last year, <laughs> all right, Ricky Stenhouse, I must go throw it out there on him. He wrecked 57 race cars. He wrecked every week, right? <laughs> we had sheet metal stacks so high out behind our building, people thought we were in the in the scrap metal business, all right? So I talked to him this year. I said, Ricky, you just got to finish, man. If you got a 10th place car, finish 10th. If it's a 15th place car, finish 15th. Don't try to finish 8th. That's why you're wrecking race cars. He's listened to me. He's out there riding around yesterday, minding his business, and out of the sky, that 22 car fell out of the sky like a raindrop and hit my race car. How do you go race with that? How do you do this? Oh, Lord. How about out of stroke? He's minding his own business, and out of the sky comes out, yeah, it hits my race car. So knocked the front, knocked the right front end pretty good, so we had to work on it. So he was out to lunch a little bit. I'm glad Joey's all right. That's a That's a tough situation, bad situation. 47 got got knocked. You know, we couldn't get the balance back in it. 37, though, was pretty sporty. Uh, Ryan was sporty all day long, had a strong hot rod, had that Hendrick horsepower. Uh, we built a really good race car, and he, he ran in the top 10 most of the day. At the end there, he got shuffled back. We had a bad pit stop, and he just could not make up the distance and ended up finishing 14th. But it's still square. That race car and chassis is square. I'm tickled to death. 
We can use it again some other time. I don't know when because we got to build all these other race cars, but I got one race car back and I'm tickled. I'm sure, unless I'm about to get my caffeine fired <laughs> up. To, I am yeah. at least a cut behind. Did what? you not have a five hour before you came in? Not Steve. enough, yeah, apparently. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Well, I got some bad news for you, Brad. So Uh-oh. if you told Ricky Sinhouse just to ride around and be smart and he got in a wreck, then Ricky Sinhouse is saying, you know, I, I might as well go drive hard and cause the wreck rather than be <laughs> no, in it. So, and they told her, I'm going to talk to Ricky. And I'm going to tell no, Ricky, no, listen, no, don't no, listen no, to Brad. He's doing fine. No, no, no. You should. Ricky you won't get, wreck the entire field. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> oh, right gonna, I'm good. calling him tonight. I'm calling him tonight <laughs> oh. when I leave this show. Hey, All right. Brad, good, I, I, I want to. Don't talk to Ricky. He's fine. Ricky's fine. He's listening. He's off he's limits. Good. He's off limits. Yeah. Hey, uh, but in he's all seriousness. Right now. Oh, he is? Stenhouse is out. I thought he was. Uh, so, in all seriousness, seriousness, though, Stenhouse has been very solid this year. Plus 12 yeah. above the cut line. I know yeah. you love kind of how the playoff picture shapes up right now. Is JTG Darty maybe the best it's ever been in a number of years, you feel like, Brad? You know, the, the reality of that is, you know, we, we've been we've been building our program the last several seasons. Last year was just horrible. We, we, you know, we wrecked so many race cars and put ourselves in so many bad positions. You know, we're not any better than we were last year. We're a capable race team. You know, we build our own race cars. We do all our own stuff. Uh, the only thing we do, we get we got Hendrick horsepower, which is great. We have no manufacturer support, so we figure it out on our, our own. We got a group. I got a group of guys. I got a hundred guys in my building. They race. That's all they do. So we feel like if we can take care and maintain, even last year, if we just was smart, we felt like we're a top twelve, top thirteen race car every week, no matter where we went. Uh, if we can continue to do that. You start having opportunities and chances, especially when you go to these places. And you know, you go to these speedway races, and if you're smart, you can maintain. You give yourself a shot. Some of these road courses, you give yourself a shot. Uh, we've been decent at Charlotte. We've been decent at Vegas. Uh, got pretty good speed at places like Phoenix and Darlington. So, you know, if if we can just be smart and keep keep being where we're supposed to be, instead of trying to punch above our weight and putting ourselves in bad positions, you never know. So we're excited. Uh, I'm excited for Ricky. Because I think we can show a lot of people what we're capable of doing, uh, and and if 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 we don't make a ton of mistakes, we'll have a shot. Uh, we got to get better on pit road. You know, we still have a few issues there that we can't overcome. Uh, so if we continue to focus on those things, I think we got a chance. Well, Brad, I just wish you had more energy when we talked to you. Man, that would I'm, be great. I might have to step on my game. I know, Steve, you are behind. Brad, good seeing you, bud. Take care. Hey, thanks good for joining you us. Guys. Take care. See you soon, See you man. Brad Hardy, always fun hanging out with him. Something tells me he had a productive day on the golf course. I think so, yes. He had a very good day on the golf course. So we talk a lot about Brad, though, but I think that is something that makes Brad spectacular, right? He doesn't go in there and talk about shocks and springs and tires, Mm -hmm. but he's a professional athlete who performed at the top, the tippity top. Yep. So he can talk to another athlete about effort, trying too hard, trying not. Like, I think he brings a perspective as an owner that's more than just nuts and bolts, X's and O's and business, right? He can really put his arm around Ricky Stenhouse. What are you going to say? What do you know? Well, the man played basketball, you know, both professionally 
with against some of the biggest yeah. names there are. So, yeah, I would say he knows. we got about a minute left. I didn't want to get out of here without getting your take on Matty D's move because uh, you've been shaking your head about it all day long, and I wanted the fans to hear. Listen, your, I might get beat at Talladega, but that. it's not going to be the guy that has already won five of them. There's no way I can leave the bumper of Brad Keselowski. I would have loved to hear the radio because he's also reacting to what he's being told and the information. There's definitely energy up top, but no way I can leave the front bumper of Brad Kozlowski on the bottom. He's too good. He's already well, done it five point, times. Got to start closing races at some point. I love Matty D, but you got to win. You got to win. And I'm not saying I can do it. That's why I sit here. But if you want to be a race car driver on Sundays, you have to close races. There, there was a lot that. of talk on the radio, and, and, and you know, drivers are, you know, spotters become more and more important. If you look at that race from the, you know, 30,000-foot view, there was mm-hmm. chaos three rows back. That took that energy away from the, from the second row. He would have definitely been better staying on the bottom. Easy to say on a Monday. Yeah, for sure. The other thing that was interesting to me, there were a lot of non-winners up front. That's going to make that Daytona race to close the regular season <laughs> very interesting. Thanks for joining us on Motor Mouse. We'll see you on Wednesday. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.